This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Talking about the work 
that we actually do when actually I do talk about the work sometimes. I just don't talk about it a lot. And the reason for that is there is already no shortage of addressing how to do the work in UX. There are, however, a lot of nuances and a lot of other things that are related to the work. And these things impact what we do, how we do it, how we represent the discipline, how we manage UX maturity level, just a whole host of other things that are extremely critical to us today. So uh, that's why we do what we do. We will talk about the work every once in a while, but for the most part, we do spend time talking about the things and nobody else pretty much wants to talk about at all, including a lot of things that are unpopular. And I, I, I tell people all the time, I'd rather have you know about certain things that are going on in UX that are not necessarily associated with the work, but directly related to what we do. It's better for you to hear about it than to experience it and then be blindsided, not have a point of reference and not know what to do. So we cover all of these things. I mean, I have never heard anybody else. I'm sure somebody's doing it somewhere, but I've never heard anybody else talk about the relationship between emotional intelligence and the discipline of UX and how it ties into the work and the things that we do. And we need to know these things. We need to deliberately cultivate our EQ so we can be better at it and then drive and foster the benefits that come from excelling in EQ in conjunction with our UX. So hence that's why we're covering the topic that we're, that we're going over now. Now we're going to move out of EQ, UX, and social media into another subtopic. However, this one is related to an extent to that subtopic. And this week, for for as we get ready to wrap this series up, we want to talk about UX, EQ, and the sociopath. So we're not uh, landing too far away from the other topic. And and again, this is going to be pretty raw. Uh, I'm going to talk about some things in this segment that are probably going to be uncomfortable for some people. But again, you need to know we we need to be in a position to manage these things. We need to be uh, good at identifying the things that I'm about to go over so that we can manage ourselves so we can be better at what we do and to make sure we're not someone who's perpetrating these things in our own lives, that these things are not emanating from us as individuals. It's really critical. And that's part of the self-awareness part of EQ. If you're doing something, if any of us is doing something that's off base, it's critical that we know that so that we can recover ourselves from that. So we're not doing that. So that's not a part of who we are. Um, And you'll understand everything as we go through it. So sociopathy sociopathy. We we t- already talked about how EQ and UX and social media come together and there's a meeting of, of those three elements that does impact the discipline. One of the reasons that that's happening and the, the tie-in to what we're going to go over in this episode is that a lot of what's happening in social media today is driven by what is being observed in the masses and what's happening at the relationship level, whether it's social media, as we talked about in the, in the recent uh, weeks, as well as the 
the different relationships that are taking place inside of our organizations at our meetups in uh, that one-on-one interpersonal connectivity that we have that might not be in the public eye, such as social media, although we are going to talk about that a little bit as well. And one of the things that I've observed is that uh, at one time, and I've talked about this before, there was a time where uh, people didn't even know. They, the people, A lot of us who were getting into UX in the earlier days, the vast majority of people that I have ever talked to and that I have heard stumbled into the work that we now call UX. It may have been interaction design at one time. It may have been information architecture at one time. It may have been human-computer interaction at one time. But now it's all basically it falls under that umbrella of UX. A lot of us stumbled into it. A lot of us, we didn't sit there in 2000 and decide that you were going to go into information architecture because it did not have the the presence that that was uh, in our, our sites, so to speak, so that it would be something that we could choose. As the discipline grew and as maturity spread to an extent and different different uh, media outlets began to publish articles talking about how this was an up-and-coming discipline and you want to take a look at this. And people started publishing the salary reports and people started saying, wow, you can make this much doing this kind of work. I think I'll go after that. So you had a, a bunch of people who just happened into the work. You had people, and people still happen into the work today, by the way, that that's, that's still a thing. People started making decisions that, hey, I want to do that because I want to make that kind of money coming out, coming right out the chute. That would be fantastic. And then there are people who got retrofitted in the roles. There are just all types of things that were going on with people getting into UX. In the midst of all these different migrations, if you will, and transitions into the discipline, there was one thing that was happening that was an extreme detriment. And it was that, and I've talked about this in another episode, that a lot of people who get into UX never bothered to check and see whether or not UX was really for them. There were a lot of people who got into UX who didn't realize that it, it takes a certain type of person. It takes a certain persona. It takes a certain mode of thinking and a certain passion set of passion points, actually, to get into UX and be successful at it while at the same time furthering the the desirable perceptions associated with UX. So yet people getting into the work, and they, and they I mean, make it, making it look bad. I have worked at a place before. Of course, I'm not going to say what the name of the company is, not this time, because it's not relevant. It wouldn't mean anything to you. And it's more about the the what than the who anyway. But I worked at a company where there were uh, people, a lot of people, they were what I call, and some of you have heard me talk about before, I talk about uh, retrofits, upstarts, and posers, these three classifications of people who happen into UX roles in some way, form, or fashion that their operation as UX professionals and their impact is actually detrimental, highly detrimental to the discipline. And so I worked at this company where there were people who pretty much got retrofitted into UX roles. Their interest was genuine. 
for the most part, but there was a lot of things about the discipline. I know this in retrospect, there were a lot of things about the discipline that they did not know. And they did not know how to execute the the EQ part of it. They, they had no knowledge of it. And so long story short, they had a lot of detrimental impact upon the perception of UX in the organization. So they're here doing the work. They are being very dogmatic. They are uh, um, just trying to, when they make recommendations, it's like it was their way or the highway. Uh, there was no diplomacy. There was no uh, participatory uh, factors that were being applied. Uh, they would make one recommendation. They would get upset when people didn't like it. And truth be told, a lot of us went through those growing pains. So I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions on those people and what happened to them at all. A lot of us have been in that same exact position. We, we've experienced that. We've seen it. But what happened, I'm just telling, telling you the facts so you can understand what I'm getting at. We, I come along, and by the time I come along and I go to work with some of these same people who had encountered the dogmatic group, who, and again, nothing against them, they, just, they didn't know certain things and they didn't have the diplomacy and they, of course, didn't have my experience at the time, and, and which happens a lot at, at my level. Yeah, it happens a lot. And other people like me, happens a lot, and they'll tell you the same. The, when I came along, these people had such a, a bad taste in their mouth when it came to working with UX people that all they had to do was know that UX was going to be involved in the project and resistance began and people began to tense up and people uh, just, they, they were already pushing back and didn't want UX to be involved. But here comes Darren anyway. Darren's getting involved in this project and Darren has comments about different things and, and, and people, they, they just, in their mind, they just didn't want to hear it. And that, that was what was going on in their mind. So we actually come into the meeting. I come into the meeting and uh, one person, the PM, who had worked with me before and he had a good experience working with me. Other people on the team did not have the same experience. Some of them had experience with the others. Figured that I was going to be exactly the same as the other people. They didn't think they were going to get anything different. And again, they were resistant. So uh, I come into the meeting. He brings me in and I sit and the first thing I do is listen. They did not expect that <laughs> at all, at all. They did not expect that at all. And when, when all was said and done, I, be, I kept listening to their stories, listening to what they were trying to accomplish. I wanted to understand the requirements. I wanted to understand what design problem we were trying to solve. I wanted to understand what their challenges were uh, so that we could apply the, the empathy portion. I know, again, some people don't like that, but when you, I'm just talking about it from, uh, and this is an EQ component. It's about understanding the perspectives of others. If I'm going to provide a service, I need to understand the perspectives of my internal stakeholders and clients. So that's what I was doing. The people who had bad, the bad taste in their mouth were completely shocked already. Then I said, let me perform a heuristic analysis because they were trying to design on their own because, again, they didn't want to be bothered with the UX folks. Let me take a look at what you've done, what you've come up with. I'd like to perform a heuristic analysis on that and combine with the other information I've gathered from you in this meeting, I'd like to 
come back, share my findings with you, along with some recommendations. So they agreed. I performed the heuristic analysis. I had my findings, my recommendations. And for those of you that don't know, uh, heuristics are all about common conventions, best practices, proven principles. It's not about guesswork. It's not about spitballing or anything like that. It's about things that we know will work with regard to design. And you can find, depending upon the skill level, depending upon the people involved, you can find up to 90% of what's going on with a design just by performing a heuristic analysis. So this is what I want to do. I come back, talk to the team. I, I make the presentation and I added another layer to it. I provided the, the findings, the recommendations, and I talked about what the benefits would be. But what I also did was I said, and if you follow my recommendations, this is how it will appear within the design. This is how people will interact with it. And it completely floored them. And, and so, and, and I'm really drumming on and on about this, and, and I hope folks appreciate it. But what, what I'm getting at is that the, the EQ, you see how the EQ that I applied helped to drive that home. And those people who previously were against UX, not only were they extremely happy, not only were they doing backflips, but when all was said and done and that project was done, they said, can we have you on everything? <laughs> Which I thought was, it was flattering. It was, it was cool. It's always nice to be able to achieve that type of success when it comes to relationships, because if you can't build relationships, another reason for having strong EQ, if you can't build strong relationships, then you, it doesn't matter how good your supposed work is. You're not going to be able to impart that to anybody or deliver anything because your own EQ deficiencies will get in the way. So that's where we are. So I said that to say that all of this, what I have observed is that, and that's a success story, look at it that way, with regard to EQ. What I have observed is that there are a lot of people now, like those retrofits, that was a retrofit story, and the impact of the retrofits, that's why I said all of that also. There are a lot of people who are coming into UX today, and they don't have the EQ, they don't have really the knowledge, they don't know how to do the work, they don't know how to apply the work. They don't know how to engage with the work. And this is not, I'm not faulting them either. These are just facts, folks. Don't get, don't get upset with me about facts and, and, and that, that, that's not going to change anything. These are facts. These are things that are happening. But what I have found is there's this, this deficiency component amongst all the people that are coming in and they may not be posers. They may not be retrofits. They may not be upstarts. They just, there are just certain things they don't know, and there's a lot of people that don't know what they don't know. But in the midst of all that, there's this other element that I have been seeing, and there has been a rise of sociopathy when it comes to people who are engaging in UX. And so what I want to share with you is just some of the traits that are associated with the sociopath. And you, there are various websites that I conducted some research on just to make sure that I'm sound on what I'm going to present to you. Cause if it's not right, I don't want to share it, share it. I don't want to say it. I'm going to share these, these components with you so you can understand when you see these things, you very well may be dealing with a sociopath and there are tons of sociopaths in UX today, and, and I'll share some stories either this week or next, and, and then we'll build on that later. But ready? Here we go. 
Number one, a lack of empathy. People who do not understand the perspectives of others, people who refuse to see the perspective of others because sociopaths are not empathetic. They don't care (laughs) about anybody else. They're going to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, and when they want to do it. And that is a problem. That does not work well with EQ. And it is a, and all of these are EQ red flags, by the way. Everything I'm about to mention to you is that cannot be in play. You must understand the perspectives, whether it's your team members, your clients, your stakeholders, your, your leadership, everybody. Do you realize that a lot of the people who complain about having trouble finding UX jobs, that some of those traits are actually sociopathic? Somebody is, they're going to interview folks for a job. They're interviewing 100 people. 200 people, or not interviewing, but applicants, they're reviewing applicants, uh, 100, 200 applicants. And, and, and you're not the only person, it's like, but everything is about that individual. So when you have tunnel vision and everything is about you, that's not a good trait, folks. That, and that actually is probably good you didn't get it because a lot of people have a sense of, of entitlement and it, re, it shows up in the way that they, the commentary they have, about not being interviewed or not being selected for the job and things of that nature, you have to understand the perspectives of the hiring company. Yes, you do. Even though you want to be hired, even though you want to get in there and you want to get your foot in the door for new UXers and things of that nature, you still have to, it's ethical to understand the perspectives of the people you are going, the company that you're going to be engaging with. You have to see it from their perspective, even if you don't like it. Otherwise, you could be already a sociopath or on the on the path to sociopathy. So let's keep that in mind. Sociopaths have a difficult time with relationships. Now, we already just gave you an example about what's wrong with uh, some UX operations today and how people, they just don't cultivate the relationships. They just don't care about the relationships, but sociopaths are not good at managing relationships, a critical benefit of having a strong EQ, right? So you want to make sure difficult relationships, you want to be good at it. You don't want to be a person who struggles when it comes to handling your relationships. And yes, it is an intricate part of being successful in UX because you got to present your work to somebody. You got to listen to somebody. Uh, you don't want to be combative. You don't want to be somebody that that's not approachable. So sociopaths though, that, that relationship thing's out the window. Manipulative. Sociopaths are manipulative. They will do anything to get their way. They will do anything to change the perception of a situation as long as they end up on top. But folks, you do not want to be manipulative. As mentioned, it is an EQ red flag, and it is something that does not help or support UX initiatives, and it will make you look bad. It will make the team look bad. It will it will bring everything down that it touches. But there is a lot of manipulation going on. And going back to social media for a moment, I actually experienced something recently where someone didn't like something I said. They didn't know that I was using a Socratic method to communicate with someone, immediately shot down what I said, made some extremely disparaging remarks, then made some other remarks as if they knew me and as if the statements that they were making were authoritative and accurate and they were 
nowhere near as being either of those two things, uh, but they didn't care. And, and other people were coming along and liking what the person said because they don't know the person didn't know me. They don't know that the person was just pulling these accusations out of thin air, but the person was actually being manipulative. The person was willing to engage in gaslighting. And, and, and uh, yeah, sociopaths are big when it comes to gaslighting. They're big when it comes to slander. They're big when it comes to projecting different things so that they can misrepresent what's going on and throw smoke screens out there and things of that nature. All of these things are sociopath traits, sociopathic traits, I should say. So you want to watch out for that. Uh, deceitfulness is a part of that as well. You don't want to be deceitful. Be transparent. Be for real. People will respect you for that. And when you when you have that strong sense of self awareness, you're not afraid to be transparent. You're not a, you you just know how to express yourself in a diplomatic and respectful fashion. But you're not going to be manipulative. You're not going to be compulsive. Engage in compulsive lying. You're not going to be slanderous. You're not going to project things. You're not going to misrepresent the situation. That those are all sociopathic traits folks being callous uh i mentioned earlier some people that it's my way or the highway uh kind of thing that that callousness where folks don't care you don't care about other people's perspectives you don't care about what they're trying to accomplish just callous just overly harsh for absolutely no reason whatsoever uh being callous another trait of the sociopath today being a hostile, and then I, I just gave a, a ton of of, of uh, traits that are associated with hostility, but there's a lot of that on social media, of course. And then people who are not on social media, they just engage with people and do the same. I, I've told the story, if you're familiar with the comic strip that I have now, I told a story about somebody who was upset that I wanted to start a UX intranet with for the UX team. And and then they say, though, well, who told you you could do that? And just getting hostile, getting controlling, uh, not not understanding the benefits, just just ridiculous. The the, the mindset and, and being just just belligerent about the whole thing. Why would you be hostile about something that's going to drive the success of the team? Because it's a sociopathic trait, <laughs> and people are gonna—they're gonna do things like that when they're sociopaths. Uh, it's their way or the highway. And you you find all of these traits in one place. Yeah, you got a sociopath on your hands, and so that person was hostile toward me for absolutely no reason whatsoever, and they didn't stop it, and it rolled out. And of course, when it rolled out, uh, they didn't have anything else to say. After that, they didn't support it. They didn't do anything. And, and it's just really sad when people carry on like that. But the, these are realities in, in uh, UX today. Being impulsive, people who just, imp, being impulsive is a trait of sociopathy where people have no rhyme, no reason, just heady, just do things because, do things for whatever reason, but there's no rhyme or reason. They just do stuff. So, so this is another uh, um, another trait. We need to be calculated. We need to be methodical in UX. We need to understand uh, because a lot of times we're trying to manage the UX maturity level in our organization. Again, we're managing relationships. We're managing the, the perceptions that people have of the UX team and of individuals. And so if you're impulsive, you can't be impulsive and then manage all those things that I just mentioned. So it is important that we are not impulsive, that instead we are calculated, we are methodical, 
We are we are very, very structured in the way that we do things and the reason why we do things. We'll be better off for it because that's just a bunch of risks. When, you, when you're impulsive, you become risky, and, and then you, it's funny, risk mitigation is a part of UX. It's one of the things that we do. We try to eliminate risks. And so we need, therefore, in order to do that, we need to be able to identify the risks and then have plans to have strategies in place so that those risks don't become realities because we're not going to do well trying to clean all those things up, folks, at the end. So just really, really, really interesting stuff. So all of these things, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it short there. I've got other things I could mention, but sociopathy is a problem today in UX. When you see people bragging on themselves, a lot of times you're dealing with a sociopath, not citing facts, bragging. There is, there is a difference between the two Uh, people who are, again, the impulsive behavior. And then they, they end up, you see behind that impulsive behavior, they're very unhinged in the way that they are, are, are carrying themselves, the way that they, they, their temperament and things of that nature right behind the impulsive behavior that is associated with sociopathy today. People who are highly self-assured, egocentric folks that they do not consider that they might be wrong about something, even when the data might show that they're wrong. And then when they think that you're saying they're wrong, they take it personally and they get belligerent about it. That's a sociopathic trait. Again, folks might not like this today. It's not, this is not a topic that's going to give you warm fuzzies, but it is something that we're trying to deal with. We're trying to manage. And again, you need to make sure that these traits are not operating within you. And if you see them, you need to make sure that you manage them. EQ calls for us to manage it when we come into contact with such things. But these are realities in UX today. Let's make sure we rise above it and let's make sure that we're not practicing it. Let's make sure that we are emotionally intelligent practitioners of UX and everybody will benefit. So that's it today, folks. We're going to wrap up here and we should be wrapping up this topic next week. Thank you for hanging in there with me on the topic. But until next week, this is Darren Hood, the host of the World of UX, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.